Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we're going to talk about how do you steal time from your buyers? It's so competitive, the world today, and just getting their time. We've all heard the stats about they do 70% or so of the research by themselves before they ever even want to talk to anybody in the company. So how do we steal some of that time? How do we go about and accomplish that if that's everybody's goal? Right. Well, we have on as an expert today, Jessica Linzall. She is the CMO of a company called Percent. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit about what she's doing there. But Jessica, you've got over 20 years in the business, growing teams and brands and some of the biggest names in the in the industry. And you've worked primarily in B2B, but you're doing a little B2C right now, too. And that's always good because as B2B marketers, getting a little B2C in what we do isn't bad. Yeah. But maybe expand a little bit on your your background and what you're doing right now and then we'll kind of jump into the core of the subject matter here for sure uh thanks for having me steve really appreciate it and exciting excited to be here and uh it's uh it's a great topic that is near and dear to my heart because that is been my motto is marketing is stealing time uh from clients and how do you how are you successful at doing that um so in terms of a little bit about me, yes, I have uh, over two decades in the industry. I've been um, primarily and actually only if I think about it in financial services and financial technology. I actually started out as as a salesperson, as a broker at Fidelity, um, which I think really, really helped me uh, from a marketing perspective because I'm able to think like a salesperson as well as put my mind, um, put myself in the shoes of the client, which is often how a salesperson will think. Um, and I, like I said, you know, I've, I've been in marketing for over 20 years, both big, you know, startup, uh, small, medium, and very large companies from JP Morgan to Thomson Reuters and Refinitiv to startups, small companies like Percent and Reval. Um, so it's been good to have really a, a mix of different size organizations because I've able, I've been able to bring um, you know, corporate organization and, uh, you know, growth mindset from big companies to small companies, as well as an entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, doing as much as you can with less to bigger companies. Um, so it's been a great mix. And I'm currently the chief marketing officer of Percent. I've been here for um, two years. Um, basically, we are a, we brought together um well, we've created a private credit marketplace. It's the first of its kind. It is in the alternative investment space, private credit, um, which is a very quickly growing asset class. And we're doing something quite unique is we're bringing together all three sides of a private credit transaction. So the B2C side are going to be your investors that want to invest in this asset class. And your B2B side are going to be underwriters who structure the transaction and borrowers who are the ones that need to raise the debt capital. Um, so it's a mix of B2B and B2C, but for me is really, really exciting because my career has mostly heavily been focused on uh, the B2B side. So um, having B2C now is very, very exciting because in the C side, marketing is your sales engine. Where on the B side, um, there are actual salespeople um, and marketing is driving generally top of funnel, but as we'll talk to also um, helping move things across the funnel. Um, so it's been been very excited. I'm focused on growing the company, client acquisition, keeping um, CAC at uh, an, attractive, um, uh, an attractive number, uh, nurture, retention, um, pretty much everything um, as from the B2C side as well as the B2B side. 
So what's interesting because that's a lot, right? I mean, as CMOs, we're B2B, B2C, we're we're not without just a ton that we're supposed to be doing and in charge of, but but you've got this mantra, right? Which kind of sits on top of everything, right? And about you have to steal time from our buyers. Just tell me a little bit about why that's your mantra, why that's what you talk to your teams about, the sales team about. And and how does that inform how you think and and how you structure marketing in your company? Yeah. So I've always said marketing is stealing people's time because when you think about it, marketing, you're pushing messages, you're pushing content, you're pushing brand in somebody's, you're putting it in somebody's face, right? And you're trying to use things that are catchy and captivating and compelling to bring people into that journey. You're stealing their time right? If you're stealing their time, you're asking for their time, you're taking it away, right? You think about we are bombarded with advertisements um, from a, a, a social perspective, a TV perspective, an email perspective. We're also bombarded with communications constantly. Mm-hmm. And when you are bombarded with that you were, and you're stealing people's time, it would behoove you as a company to be providing value, Right not just stealing people's time and shoving product down people's throat, but stealing people's time or taking people's time and providing them with value, with education and insight on things they may not know that they may need to know. From a B2B perspective, it could be how to get their job done quicker. It could be, you know, from, you know, how to present XYZ to ABC person, um, how to automate, uh, blah, 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 uh, how to optimize your portfolio, et cetera, talking to them about their pain points, showing them that showing them that you know and acknowledge their pain points, talking to them about, you know, what the industry themes are around that, how other people mm-hmm. are getting it done, providing them with value that they can take away, whether or not they want to engage with you from a sales perspective and engage with your company, it still gives them value and it creates trust in your brand and it helps build brand awareness because you are saying we know this space here is what's going on here's what our clients doing etc cetera, etc cetera. and you can bring them down that that customer journey um so that's kind of in a nutshell i yeah you 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 brought up so many important points there but you you honed in on trust right and education and in today's world the b2b buyer does most of their research before they ever want to talk to us in a company. 70 plus percent of their research, they're making their decision on who they want to talk to, right? So that makes, like you had mentioned in the B2C world that marketing really is that engine. We don't have sales. Well, marketing in the B2B world is becoming a much greater part of sales because you got to get earlier in the conversation or you're going to be left off the buyer's list. So, this is really important in building that trust and how you do that, you said about adding value. Now that's that's a lot of thought leadership type content, right? Tell us a little bit about, you know, when you're trying to steal that time, that is, I love that, I love that visual. How are you doing that? Value is part of that. But tell me in terms of like, you know, your focus on product marketing, very, very important versus thought leadership marketing and the balance that you try to create in your marketing campaigns, how much focus is going to one versus the other? So 
I'll be honest with you. I would say it's probably, I want to say it's an equal focus across all because you need to create that funnel, right? You need to have content that is that supports every stage of the customer journey from an acquisition perspective. And you think about it like an hourglass, right? Where you're driving people in from awareness and engagement, bringing them down that decision funnel in terms of creating the intent and the decision-making and the buying process. But then you're also supporting them after as they become onboarded, become a customer and trying to create retention and loyalty. You want you need to have the right and the, the right amount of frequency of content to support all of that, right? Because it is a circular journey. However, your top of funnel content that is going to be able to create or that is that is designed to create the engagement and the awareness oftentimes is more hefty to produce, right? So for example, in past campaigns and in a current campaign, actually, I'm going to talk about a current campaign that I'm doing that is for the B2B side here. It's for our institutional investors. Um, we are focusing, we have a lot of resources from a headcount, um, bandwidth, and budget perspective on a big thought leadership research piece that we're doing with um, an external industry analyst, right, that is designed to it, it produce a survey and data Um, around how people are thinking about private credit right now. That is probably out of our whole content strategy, if you're weighting it to 100%, that is probably right now a good 50% of the content, uh, overall content process right now, because that requires a lot of budget, uh, a lot of bandwidth and a lot of um, resources, right? Whereas my team still needs the right content to support once we draw them in and get that lead to continue nurturing them through that customer life cycle because you are drawing people in from an engagement awareness perspective, giving them education to understand what is going on in the industry, why you you want to spark conversations with them in terms of why do you want to think about this, right? But then you need the content to support once they've got that, how do you continue that? You want to support them with case studies about, okay, you you now know that this is going on. How are your peers managing this pain point, right? And then after you address the you know, what their peers are doing, then you can start to um, surface product information, whether it's a fact sheet, video, you know, other industry information, um, you know, like infographics, et cetera. You're driving them down that funnel. That heftier, heavy duty industry thought leadership does take a lot more effort, whereas the product stuff and the case studies can tend to be a little bit lighter. Yeah, and that that very reason, what you just said there, that it can be a lot more difficult to create thought leadership, right? Because that requires a perspective, that requires that education, that ed- that requires that advisor level status. And we're all really good about talking about what we do, right? We're, we are we are the subject matter experts there, right? So that tends to be easier. So that, that tends to be more of what we focus on. And so what I wanted to ask though is, when you're thinking about this thought leadership, how do you think about it? You're operating in the B2B and an ABM model, right? Where there's long lead times and that conversation that when it does get started needs to be, you might have 20, 30 more touch points, right? In this process. How do you think about content and enabling that sales conversation over many, many, many months? And 
what balance of content is needed there? What are you being asked for, right? What are you planning on in your content plan? That's an excellent question. Um, I'm actually going to look at this from a my current uh, my current focus at Percent right now is heavily heavily B two C as we're trying to prime. Granted, remember our B two C we treat like B two B, right? Because these are mm -hmm. um, often institutional investors or they're retail accredited investors. They're high net worth investors in a nascent. You know a new asset class that need a lot of education so it is mm. a longer life cycle it's just not the six to 12 to 18 months that could be b2b so i'm going to look at this both from a percent perspective as well as a refinitive perspective right where we were yeah, that is straight b2b um in terms of right actually let me go back to the 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 refinitive perspective in terms of planning out the content and i think you asked you know planning out the content what is needed, how much time do you spend on it, and what are you being asked for from a sales perspective? Right now, things have been changing from a consumer behavior perspective. And we've seen this over the past five to 10 years. Um, I hate to say this again and again, I feel like we've been mm -hmm. saying the same thing for the past five, 10, 15 years. It is becoming more digitalized, right? right. People are self-selecting into the customer journey. They're doing more research ahead of time. They're looking at news. They're looking at industry reports. They're looking at white papers to educate themselves on whatever their pain points are. And there's a lot more out there. So you really have to fight and cut through the noise to have the most compelling content to drive people in. Um, that, as I mentioned, that 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 is the huge focus, right? In terms of spending a lot more effort to get people in the door, right? And you're tying that into your growth and performance marketing engine, your lifecycle marketing engine to bring those people into the fold, uh, put them through the lead scoring module, eventually get them to sales, right? You used to just get a lead and give it right over to sales, let sales do the job. The MQL, yeah. MQL, it SQL. Yep. It is still the MQL, SQL. Don't get me wrong. That is still very, very important um, from a B2B and a B2C um, perspective. But getting over to sales is a lot longer in the process now. It is much more it used to be, you know, maybe 10, 15% marketing and then, you know, 85, 90% um, sales, right? It is probably more 50, 50 now, maybe even a little bit more because of how people consume information mm -hmm. and the need to talk to sales you know, farther down the road. When you are looking, I come from a capital markets background and capital markets does require more salespeople because they are talking about things like trading and portfolio optimization. And a lot of the salespeople have sat in those positions before. So it requires a different level of sophistication, but doesn't require a team of 10 salespeople. It might be right. a salesperson and a sales engineer. So you're doing more, like I said, from that thought leadership, the content blog posts, webinars, case studies to continue to educate people on uh, whatever their pain points might be, whatever's going on in the industry, to make them aware of it, to associate your brand with it, get them into sales. And then once they are talking to sales, nurture them, right? And it could be, you know, again, webinars nurture, whether it's a webinar about, I've got to think back to my time at Refinitiv. It could be about, um, you know, working with your 
ultra high and high net worth clients about mm. uh, tax loss harvesting or whatever it might be and how to use systems for that, et cetera. Once you get them in, sales can't just take it and run. You have to continue to nurture them so that your brand, your solution is constantly at it constantly in the at the top of their mind, right? And again, not hard hardcore sales, softcore sales, where it's always value. Everything you're doing them educates and gives them value, and that's the way that you have to message that. So, oh, I think that that answered your question in terms of you know. Yeah, no, absolutely did. We we interview quite a few uh, CMOS and CROS and CEOs on this podcast, and the the constant need in the B two B world to keep that conversation alive just can't be underscored, right? Because yeah. you can't sell the whole way through. So the idea of tying what you're talking about in terms of like content that educates that thought leadership content. People can think that that is top of funnel brand awareness. It's not directly tied to sales. And, you know, one of the most direct links you can see is that if you've got something that's really interesting that's happening, that's maybe topical in the industry or, you know, you know, educational in value, something that that helps the, the buyer in their job and a salesperson can share that, then that's a direct impact on the sales process. That just helped keep that process alive. It brought, right? and it, it, it's often what brought them in the door in the first place. I mean, Absolutely. It, Brings them in, yeah. keeps it alive all the way through. So the idea that thought leadership is just top of maybe touches in the mid, mid funnel is just a wrong way to think about this. It's so, every funnel. And there's also a number of things that you're doing with your content, your thought leadership that tie back to sales. And that's search engine marketing and SEO. So mm -hmm. think about it that way. Marketing is sales. It's a different type of sales that people can self-select into based off of what they're seeing out in the market, right? So it's just not with a person. It's different mm -hmm. type of sales. And right now, from a B2B and B2C perspective, we measure absolutely every single touch point and how yeah. it ties into um, revenue. Yeah, we uh, we had a woman on that that said when we we found that deals that had five or more marketing touches in them closed at twice the rate, yep. twice the rate, right? So the idea of directly tying what you're talking about and its importance into sales cannot be underscored enough. So I'm going to ask you. This is a question I ask everybody in the podcast, right? So. In terms of content, and it's just it's overall importance in the business, and I'm talking about the importance of growth, overall growth and success of the business. If you were going to rate content on a scale of one to 10, where one, it's not important at all, 10, it's vital to the overall growth and success of the company, where would you put it on that scale? Yeah. I would put it on 10 from both a B2B and a B2P, B2C perspective. From a B2C, remember, I, I we still, from B2C, we're still taking the B2B approach in terms of um, nurturing and life cycle and, um, you know, deeper thought leadership, but you cannot have any, act, there, there can be no tactics if there is not content to back it up. And content means a lot of different things. Content mm -hmm. could be a webinar, right? Which is also known 
could also be an event. Content can be an if infographic. Content can be social posts. Content can be email. Content can be shorter blog posts. It can be thought leadership, right? So content is king. It's queen and it's everything in between. You cannot activate a marketing plan without content. Otherwise, there would be nothing to draw the customer in. Yeah, I've had it put to me. There's no demand, Jen, without content, right? Yeah, Jen. That's, yeah. And it's it's funny because it's it's something that I am dealing with right now from a B2C perspective is the need for con- a, a, a constant flow of fresh content blog post, thought leadership, survey, data, social, infographic, high-level advertising message that is going to um, touch on people's pain points to let them know this is going on. There are ways to solve for that. So if I'm putting two and two together, it's one of the most important things you can do, right, to, to grow the business, yet there's this insatiable need, right, insatiable. And the more ICPs you have in vertical markets and that mm-hmm. matrix, right? And there's different conversations and questions that happen all across that. It just explodes right, in terms of the amount of content that you need to create. So give me an idea in terms of emphasis of, you know, internally your resources, your budgets. I don't want you to divulge anything private, right? But in terms of that feeding that content engine, how much does that take of the resources that you have that you're willing to dedicate to the whole marketing function? That is a great question. I'm going to answer this a couple different ways. So I'm going to answer this um, based off of where I am now percent and what we're trying to do. But I'm also going to base I'm also going to answer this based off of um, uh, my work at Refinitiv and Thomson Reuters. Um, right now, content. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say content in thought leadership is 10, there are still other things that have equal importance, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can't have one without the other, but content is what fuels your tactics. It fuels the fire. It draws people in. Um, I spend a lot of time on content. Um, I actually recently lost a a content person. So um, I have been bringing in, um, and I think I mentioned that to you earlier uh, when we spoke, Steve, um, I have been bringing in um, agencies and a number of consultants that I have worked with in the past. And we produce content so quickly because from a B2C side, again, with investors, both from an institutional and a retail perspective, you need different levels of content, but you need constant content to engage them both on what do these, what does private credit mean? What does this bring to the table? What, you know, think about it, supporting the private credit opportunities, the deals, educating them on what this deal means, what this, you know, what does internal rate of return mean, et cetera, et cetera. There is a constant need for content across B2B and B2C. So for me, um, I would say right now, 50% of my resources are for content. The other 50% is for growth and performance. And you can't have one without the other. We've had to put certain things aside um, in order, you know, because we are focused on priming the marketplace pump and making sure that we have the right and enough investors to support the platform and attract the underwriters and the borrowers. And to do that, like I said, you need the growth tactics and the strategy and you need the content to be able to actually implement that strategy. 
Yeah, that's in, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say from, from a refinitive perspective, content was huge there. We actually created our own separate content team. We wound up when we, when we rebranded and repositioned from Thomson Reuters into Refinitiv, which is now owned by London Stock Exchange Group, we um, completely reorganized marketing and centralized it. Um, and I led global marketing strategy, which is really the first um that's kind of the first point of contact from a marketing perspective that created the strategy and then rolled it out to the regions. We created our own content team to have a, um, a, an ongoing supply of relevant, fresh content for every stage of the buyer journey across all of our different businesses. But that shows just how important it is that content was its own group and its own function that of course worked with strategy and activation, but it shows you how important it was. Content wasn't just a part of a small group. Content was its own group. So again, it shows you how important that is. So if I was going to say, because we've, we've talked about a lot, right? And if, if you were going to boil it down to the one thing that you want the audience here to take away from the conversation today, what would that be? I think two things. I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing is, is, is what we opened up the conversation with is that marketing is stealing people's time. And I'm not saying that from a negative perspective. I'm saying that just in truth, if you logically think about it, you are asking somebody to look at something, you're taking away their time. So in order to really get them to engage, you've got to provide value, right? Give me something. I'm going to listen to you if you're going to give me something that is going to benefit me in the long run. It's not going to sell me a product. It's going to educate me and give me insight on a situation, an idea, et cetera. So value, value, value. Um, I think the other thing is, and this, you know, we used to say content is king or data is king. Content is, you know, content is more than that. Content is king, queen, and everything in between because in order to roll out your marketing strategy and execute your tactics, you need to have content to digitally engage people. And content can be different level, di different mediums and different, it's all different shapes and sizes and lengths, right? You've got your thought leadership, you have your case studies, you have product marketing, um, you know, you've got podcasts, you have on-demand webinars, live webinars, et cetera. And then I think the third thing is, um, and this is another area that's, that's near and dear to my heart, mainly because I, I started out in sales is really unifying your marketing, sales, customer success, and honestly, your product teams. When you look at the customer life cycle, it's a circle and it's repetitive. It doesn't stop. And marketing supports every aspect of it. Marketing brings the, 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 brings the leads to the table, nurtures them until they're ready to close a deal, brings them to sales to help sales meet their revenue targets, right? Qualifies them to ensure they're not wasting their time. And then sales hands that over to customer success, who then winds up, you know, you wind up going back to marketing to retain and nurture, but marketing is supporting at every, um, you know, 
at every stage of that circular customer journey through content, right? And then of course, product is right at the center because oftentimes you are marketing, not just marketing a brand, you're marketing a product. So everything is, is, is you know, either a circle from a customer lifecycle perspective or a triangle from uniting product sales and marketing. You broke the rule. You gave me three answers for the one takeaway, but that was worth it. <laughs> I had to that's get okay. all three in there because they are, that's, you know, they are so important that I don't think there should, I don't think there can just be one takeaway. I think right now marketing is really coming into its own and it's really, I mean, you're looking at chief marketing officers that are becoming chief growth chief growth officers, right? right? It is about growth and retention and the responsibility and onus of marketing is greater than ever before because of this evolving environment that we're in, in terms of people spending more time self-selecting into things. That I think is the best takeaway and the reason why you're trying to steal their time is because they're taking more control of the decision-making. They've always been the buyers, right? But they've always, they, they've involved us more actively in that process than they ever have. That, that was the past. Today, the, the, the trend towards, I was just at a sales conference in Vegas this last week, and they were talking about the trend of self-serve buying in the B2B segment, right? That's where the trend's going. So the need for stealing time is ever, yep. if it's ever more important today than it ever has been before, it is today. So this is a very poignant conversation, a great time to be having it. If if people had follow-up conversation or question they wanted to have with you, is putting a link to you on uh, LinkedIn, would that be a great place to, to start? Yes, 100%. You can find me on LinkedIn under Jessica Linzal and the Chief Marketing Officer of Percent and would be more than happy to pick up the conversation with anyone. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for doing that today and sharing all of your insights with us.